Welcome. That didn't wake you up? <laughs> Nothing is. Uh, but we just want to, I just want to thank you guys for coming back. Um, Valentine's Day weekend. So now I know who you love. Huh? Um, Jesus, there you go. Got one representing back there. Um, we played this video last week, and uh, we just wanted those of you that were worshiping football rather than worshiping God to see this. And uh, <laughs> really want everybody to see... Um, what God's doing through connection. Um, this is how we're going to. This is how we're going to just uh, infiltrate our county through this one-on-one project. How we do missions. Um, you look at everything going around, looking in here, and we are a big recipient of the one-on-one. Um, just because Statesboro and Vidalia campus has just blessed us with uh, with funds to be able to buy these things so that we could do that. We're planning on planting a campus every year somewhere that needs a church like this in their community, and this money helps go and, and help the next campus. Also, it does it just everything else they talked about in that, in that video, it, transitional housing that I'm, I'm extremely excited about that we're going to benefit from our county in Statesboro. We're going to build a facility in Statesboro um, that, for transitional housing um, that we'll be able to send people there if they need that help, hopefully in the next year. Um, service week, we'll be doing that in, uh, in April. Um, as far as through our connect group, serving our community so that our community sees that we love them and care about them. And those projects are going to be funded through one in one So you can give uh, at the giving kiosk. You can put money in the offering buckets. Um, that's why we give buckets, not plates. You can put more money in there. So uh, you can give in the offering buckets. And uh, so y'all please just give. And um, I just want to thank you guys again uh, for giving. A lot of times the preacher, he talks about how much church don't give. Um, but I just want to tell you guys, thank you for your generous hearts. The offering has been uh, exceedingly awesome. And it just shows that you guys value Connection Middle and values this ministry. I just want to tell you guys, thank you for that. You don't hear that enough, so I just want to tell you that. Um, before we get started, and it kind of goes into tonight. Tonight we're talking about Generosity. So I'm not beating you over the head. You, are, you have been generous so far. But last week we talked about serving, what it meant to serve. And there's all kinds of different opportunities for you guys to serve. I failed you in telling you that last week. You can serve in all different kind of facets and forms here in Connection Building and serve God in those ways. Serving in orange and kids, serving blue. As you see all these blue connectors, you can serve on the worship team um, we need people help set up, tear down. They can run uh, the sound. We need, we need all kinds of different ways to serve. So if you want to serve, if you want to get involved in Connection Milling, you've been here. This makes number week, week number five. So if you've been coming back, chances are you like it. And you need to get involved. If you want to get involved, you want to start serving, see Lindsay at the next steps table, and she can show you and tell you how to make your next step and get involved in doing service here at Connection Mill. So tonight, we're going to be talking about the, uh, the culture that we want in our church of generosity. When people see uh, Connection Millen in our county, I want them to see a generous people. When we think about generosity, the first thing we think about is what? Money. We think about money. But generosity is more than just money. It's way more than money. It's giving generously of our time. 
serving our community, giving generously of our time, which we make, we make uh, our schedule for we can pack everything in our schedule that we want to do. And if, if serving God is one of them, then we're going to do that. Serving generously with our time, with our talents, the things that God has given us, the abilities that we have. Some of you have extraordinary talents that, that I wish I had. I wish I could sing like Danielle. She could sing like a songbird. If they had this thing turned on when I was singing back there, y'all would have left. <laughs> but God's blessed so many people with different, different talents. And it, he didn't give them, to, give them to you for you just to squander. He gave them to you for you could serve him with them. So serving with your talents and also with your, with your money. With what God's given you. What God's given you. Generosity is, is, just the, is kind of the core of the Christian life because what you love has your heart. We're going to talk about that tonight. We're going to be in Luke chapter 19 and chapter 18. So if you want to go ahead and start turning your Bibles to chapter 19, that's where we'll be. Before we get started, let me go to the Lord in prayer. Father, uh, again, we thank you tonight for who you are. We thank you, God, for just how much you love us on this Valentine's Day uh, we concentrate so much on our significant others and our family. And uh, we, it's all about love and feeling good and just showing people that we care. God, I pray that our hearts tonight show that we love you. I pray, God, that you would stir in our hearts, stir in our lives, and really make it evidently clear, is you, are you the one that we truly love? God, I pray that you would open our hearts and make us see us for who we really are and that we can see you for who you really are. Father, just consume us tonight. We pray that your Holy Spirit would just come upon us in a mighty way as we were singing that song, that we pray you would be above and below us, in front and behind us. Lord, everywhere we go, the people would see you. I pray that you would be that way right here tonight, God. Lord, speak through me. There's nothing I can say that's going to change anybody's life, but God, you and your Holy Spirit, it's the only thing that can make a difference, God. Consume us tonight, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. So tonight my wife is serving um, orange, so she's in the kids, so she can't hear this. And it's Valentine's Day. So it's only right to tell a story about my wife, right? Amen? Amen. So y'all agree. All right. I can tell y'all agree. Let me tell you, generosity in my life didn't happen until I met my wife. Now, it's funny how meeting a woman will make that happen. But before I met my wife, I met my wife as a junior in high school. And uh, I was a typical South Georgia redneck boy. I love hunting and fishing, and that was it, in my truck. I love hunting and fishing in my truck. And, and that's all, that was about, that was all that was Jeremy Lindsay. <clears throat> I met my wife and uh, took her out on a date. First date, took her out. Man, I was like, man, this woman was perfect. She didn't, we, I took her out to eat. She was so nervous she couldn't eat, but I didn't know that. She just, she didn't hardly want it. She didn't order anything to eat. So that one, no, no, no money on food, check. <laughs> and then she didn't say five sentences the whole time we were together. I was like, and she's quiet, check. Man, I think I'm in love, first date. Well, that quickly changed. Y'all know that. But anyway, I, as we began to date, I, was, I, I worked all the time. I had, I had a, 
I've always had a lifestyle of having my life packed with stuff. I've, I was in high school. I was going to college at night. I had a job during the week. I logged with my uncle on the weekends. And any other available time that I had, I was with her when we started dating. I worked all week long, make sure I had enough money to pay my truck payment and all the other stuff. And I remember it like it was yesterday. I would have like $50 to $60 left in the week. And that was just enough money to take her out on Friday night where we could go out, watch a movie, and get something to eat. And I would eat Beanie Weenies by England all week long so that I could take her out on Friday night. Now, why did I do that? Because she had my heart. She had my heart. I love, my love for Sabrina made me sacrifice a lot of different things. She had all my time. My daddy, I remember him griping, saying, man, this house ain't nothing but a motel for you. You only sleep here. And all my available time, I was with her because she had my heart. And we see, when things have our heart, they have our time. They have our money. We, we're, we're, I was okay to spend my money on her. I was okay to, to, to eat beanie weenies all week because I wanted to take her out and let her know that I valued her. To tell you how much I love her, I say, I say from when I was in high school, I had a little savings account, and I'd put money in it. I was going to buy me a boat. You know, they say that's what they say money will buy, right? It'll buy you a boat, <laughs> buy you a truck to pull it. I already had the truck. I've been saving money. We've been dating five years. And I said, well, it's, it's time to go ahead and, you know, seal the deal. Go ahead and we need to go, go ahead and get married. If not, she's going to wake up and realize that she can do better than me. <laughs> so I got ready to, to do that, and I, we went up to the, I went, I went to the jury store. I knew what she liked, knew what she wanted, and I said, ma'am, but I had no idea what jury cost. I went up there, I said, ma'am, I want this ring right here. She said, okay. And she told me the amount, and I said, oh, hold up, hold up. I want that one ring. She said, that's how much it costs, sir. I said, oh, I'll be back. She said, are you okay? I said, I got to go to the bank. I went to the bank. I closed my boat account. All the money I was going to buy that boat with, I took it, and I purchased her engagement ring with. And Daddy was like, well, how do you know she's going to say yes? I said, she better say yes. I can't take this thing back. But I was, I was so willing to give her that, get, take my money that I had been saving for five years to buy this boat with and to buy her engagement ring because I love her. I cared about her. And it just goes to show that things that have our heart, we're okay to turn loose with. A lot of you in here, your kids, you would give them your last cent because you love your kids. You would give them your last breath if you could. You would sacrifice your life for them because they have your heart. And it's a great illustration of what generosity is. I mean, when something has our heart, generosity overflows out of it. It just flows out of you. It just flows out of us. And that's exactly how it happens. And, and for us to be generous as a people of God, it's got to flow out of us. But the only way it is is God's got to have our heart. I've never met a believer, that, a healthy believer, somebody who really was passionately following Jesus, that it didn't have their heart and generosity didn't flow out of it. And I want to be honest with you guys. I've never met somebody that was generous in the church until about five or six years ago. Everybody that I knew 
was all about. I paid my 10%. I gave God my 10%. And they caught up in money and caught up in, the, in that, because in reality, they wanted to give God their 10% so they could feel good that they gave God some money. But they squandered everything else. It was all about buying four-wheelers and buying all these things. I'm not going to name stuff because I bought all that with it. I'm thinking about my own life. Buying just junk. And after I bought it, I didn't want it. I met a guy one time. His name's Chris. I love Chris. I mean, some of you may have told this story before. I don't know if I've told it here. But Chris lived on faith, faith alone. Chris, he, he had a van. Homeboy's got five kids. He lives by faith. He's got patience if he's got five kids, right? Well, Chris was living his life for, for God and everything that he does. It's all about if God wants him to give it, he's going to give it. I've never met anybody like him. He told me, he said, Jeremy, you've got to live your life like this so that whatever God puts in your hands, you're willing for him to take out. I never understood that concept until he told me this story. He said, Jeremy, we just paid the last payment on my wife's van. He said, I felt... I knew a family that needed a, ride, needed a vehicle that had six kids, and God was burdening my heart to give the car to them. And I'm like, what? You don't hear about stuff like that much? And he began to talk about God kept burdening his heart. So finally, he said, I couldn't stand. I talked to my wife. He said, we gave the car to this family. He said, that night, my wife said, what am I going to do about getting the kids to school? He said, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do. The next morning, Franklin Chevrolet calls him, says, Chris, somebody just purchased a brand new van and your keys are here. Come pick them up. Now, if that don't tell you that God can do all kinds of things, you got another thing coming. But Chris walks in a lifestyle of generosity and faith. It ain't about Chris. It's about God. And when I seen that in his life, I'm thinking, what am I doing? Where I mean, he makes my, I thought I had huge faith, and he makes my faith look like itty bitty little faith. Because that man is all about the kingdom. And he said, Jeremy, if God's big enough to make me, he's big enough to give me everything I need. And he has a life of generosity. But the reason he has a life of generosity is because God has his heart. We're going to be talking about two different people tonight in Luke. Two different things happened in the book of Luke. Jesus came into contact with two different men. And at the end, one of these men were very generous. And the other one left sad and brokenhearted. There's a valuable lesson learned from both of these men. But Luke chapter 19, I think is my, one of my favorite stories in the Bible. I love Zacchaeus. But Luke 19, verse 1 says this, says, He entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they grumbled. He is gone into, 
He has gone in to be a guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor. And if anybody, if I have defrauded anybody of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And that is an awesome picture there of what happens when Jesus has your heart. But I want you to understand something about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. And everybody, nobody in here really likes the IRS, do they? All right, nobody said amen, so good. No, no, I mean, we talk, we talk about IRS, we think about taxes, we think about all that stuff, and a lot of times it puts a bad taste in our mouth. It's giving the money to the government. People, people, people naturally are upset about that, unless you get a big refund check. I don't ever see those. But anyway, what so he, he was a tax collector. People didn't like tax collectors. But on top of that, he was a Jew. He was a tax collector for the Roman government. Romans thought Jews to be lesser. They looked down upon Jews. So here he was to become a chief tax collector. You had to do a lot of bad stuff. You had to defraud a lot of people in order to become. He was way up on the totem pole. It just shows what kind of control money had on his life. Money does a lot of crazy things to people. How desperate for money do you have to be to turn on your own family? That's what he did. Money turns people into some, it makes people do crazy things. See, money amongst itself is not wrong. It's the love of money. See, the love of money is the root of all evil, not money. But this man loved money so much it didn't matter who he stepped on. It didn't matter what he did. As long as he could get that money. He probably had all kinds of things. He probably had more stuff than anybody else. He was, he, was the, he was a notch above the rest. If you put him in today's society, he would fit in perfect with the American dream. Because the American dream is it's all about what you have. It's all about your stuff. Your status is about how much money is in your bank account. Zacchaeus' whole life was around money. But what I love about this is when he heard that Jesus was coming, he wanted, he wanted to know who, who Jesus was. He wanted to meet Jesus. That goes to show me it don't matter how much money you have or how perfect you think your life is. Without Jesus Christ, there's a hole in your heart. There's a desire. There's something missing. You know there's something missing. He didn't know what that was. He just knew that, hey, I've heard about this man named Jesus. I've heard people talk about what this man's doing, and I want to go see him. I want to see if this is what I'm missing. Guys, that just kind of hit me between the eyes. Do you talk about Jesus in such a way that people want to meet him by what you say about him? Mm, no amens, huh? That's how it should be. People are, people, you're talking about Jesus. You're talking about what Jesus is doing. Let me tell you what God's doing in my life. People should want to meet Jesus by what you're saying about him. But Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus ran up, and he couldn't get to Jesus. He knew there was something missing in his life, but he couldn't figure it out. I can see this little old fella, this little short fella. 
trying to run around frantically, trying to see around the crowd. But he couldn't get to them. How desperate do you have to be to run a grown man to go run and climb up a tree? You have to be pretty desperate. Some of you guys couldn't climb up a tree if you had to. But he was so desperate. He was going to do whatever it took just so he could see Jesus. That shows the desperation in his life. What I love about this is when Jesus seen him, he called him down. And he said, damn, I'm coming to your house. When Zacchaeus met Jesus, everything changed. Everything changed. He didn't say, no, let me, let me get down and go get some, some better clothes on. Or, no, he didn't say anything. He said, okay. At that moment when he met Jesus, generosity automatically poured out of his heart. He was automatically just, just bothered by the lifestyle he had lived. He said, look, first thing he said, look, if I've done any wrong to anybody, I will reform. No, first thing he said, we said, look, I'll give back half of what I have to the poor. So right off the bat, he's willing to give half of everything. Whatever was in his account, I'm giving it away. Half of his lands, I'm giving it all away right now. Anything, we'll give it to the poor. And then he said, if I have wronged anybody of anything, I'll restore it back to them fourfold. And you're like, man, that was pretty generous. What you have to understand is, is by the law at that time, if you've defrauded anybody, if you have robbed from anybody, you were required by law to restore it back to them, that amount plus a fifth more. Just one-fifth more. And this man was so generous, he's giving it back to them fourfold. Four times the amount that he took from them to begin with. Which is pretty much saying, look, I want, to give you every, I want to give everything away. I want to, give, I want to get, make sure everything's right. And it just goes to show that when God has your heart, everything changes. Amen? Amen? Your priorities change. Things that once mattered so much to you don't matter that much anymore. And I can say that in my own life. When, when I first started, when I, when I was trying to live, for, well, before I was living for Christ, it was all about me, all about what I could have. There was one time... You looked in my yard, it looked like a used car lot. It was all kind of vehicles. I had boats. I had four-foilers at one time. I couldn't ride all of it just because I wanted them. I bought it. I had all this stuff. Why did I have that stuff? Because I got a thrill out of buying it. But as soon as I bought it, I didn't want it anymore. It was just materialistic stuff. But when I met Jesus, I started realizing that, hey, God's give you this money for a reason. God's give you your talent, your job for a reason. Use it to glorify God. Use your talent to glorify God. Don't squander it on stuff that you're going to just either, either mess up, tear up, or give away later. And when he met Jesus, when Zacchaeus met Jesus, he was like, here. Here, God. Here, God. I'll give you my life. It's a blank check. Do with it what you want. That's the type of generosity God wants. See, God doesn't need your money. He doesn't need your money. He doesn't need your time. He could save everybody just like this. All of our money belongs to him anyway. The reason he wants you to give your money and give your time is so that he can have your heart. He wants your heart. He don't want anything else but your heart. And if he has your heart, he'll have your money. If he has your heart, he'll have your time. 
If he has your heart, he'll have everything. And that's what he wants. He wants us to have no other gods before him. And if money is our God, if material, our materialistic stuff is our God, then what are we doing? There's been no vehicle. There's been no house or shotgun, believe it or not, that has made me happier than giving my time and my money to God. Nothing. And if you'd have told me that 10 years ago, I would have said, let me tell you something. Shotgun, you get me one of those Mossberg, or no, it wasn't Mossberg, it was Benelli. You get me Benelli, that'll make me happy. A lot happier than doing anything for the Lord because he didn't have my heart. When God has your heart, everything changes. The next man we want to read about is in Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, verse 18 is where we're going to start. It says, and a ruler asked him, good teacher, what must, I, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and, father and mother. And he said, All of these I have kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, One thing you still lack. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come and follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad for he was extremely rich. Now you have a man that, that comes up to God, comes up to Jesus. He says, hey, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And that's so much how we approach God a lot of times. It's, hey, what, what, what can I do to go to heaven? What must I do to go to heaven? We missed the whole point. It's not about what we can do. It's about what he's already done, amen? That's the only way we can get to heaven. But so, much, so many of us approach it just like this, this man. He was just a religious man. He approached Jesus and said, what can I do to get to heaven? We can't sell everything we own. We can't buy our way to heaven. We can't buy our way to heaven. We can't sell our stuff and, and, and expect that we're going to be able to go to heaven because we, we gave generous to the church, because we did these things. If our heart's not right with God, it don't matter how much money you give. If your heart's not right, if your heart's not right with God, it don't matter who, how much grass you cut for somebody, how many uh, wheelchair ramps you put down. It don't matter because you're doing it for the wrong reasons. You're doing it for your own selfish gain, but when God has your heart, everything changes. And this man here, I have a burden for this man. I have an extreme burden for this man because when I see this man, I see 90% of people in churches today. Just a bunch of religious people that say, what can I do to get to heaven? It's not about Jesus. It's about me. And it bothers me so bad 
I wish I could run in there and shake people and say, wake up, get out of this trance you're in. Because there's people, good people, dying and going to hell every day thinking they're just good enough, thinking they're doing just enough stuff to go to heaven instead of turning their lives over and giving it to Jesus. It's where your heart is. That's where it is. And I wish so much that people could get this because I love people and I got people that, that, I, that I've seen in church people for 50 years. But it's all about religion. It's all about just going to church. I'm a deacon at such and such church. Great, but what does God have your heart? If he has your heart, there'll be fruit in your life showing that he has your heart. Generosity is one of them. He looked right on the outside. He knew all the lingo. He said, look, I, I've done all those things since I was a kid. Check, check, check. I got, but what can I do to get to heaven? And my mind flashes back to when Jesus tells the Pharisees. He calls them a bunch of whitewashed tombs. He said, look, you look clean on the outside, but inside you're dead and dirty. Would Jesus say that about you? We can dress pretty. And we can play the part. But does he have your heart? I played the part for way too long. I knew all the lingo. But when it came down to it, he never had my heart. Pleasing Jeremy was more important than pleasing God. And when you see this, Jesus told him, hey, he knew. Jesus knew that one thing in his heart that was keeping him from following him. He said, look, you need to sell all your possessions because God, Jesus knew that he, yeah, he kept all those commandments, but one, he messed up on. And that is, do not have any other gods before me. And he had put in, he had put in, Lord have mercy. He had put, he had put those things above God. He had put his success, he had put his estate, everything he had, he put it before God. Because why? Because it said it saddened him. And then he, bego- then he goes on. Jesus goes on to say, you don't have to put it up there. I'll, I'll read it. He goes on to say, how difficult is it for those who have wealth to enter in the kingdom of God? For it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter in the kingdom of God. And he's not talking about just rich people. I, I would dare to take that a step further and say that it's harder for religious people to go. For religious people, they're just caught up in themselves, caught up in the appearance, not caught up in Jesus, not caught up in God. See, when I realized it wasn't a lot of stuff that kept a rich young ruler out of heaven, it was just that one thing. It was just that one thing that he would not let go. He had all the money in the world, and he could have blessed so many people for it if his heart was in the right place. But it wasn't. And I began to think about that. What's that one thing that's going to keep people out of heaven? 
What's that one thing that they won't let go so that they can follow Jesus? What's that one thing? Because people come in and out of a church service every single Sunday praying, playing Russian roulette with their eternity because they won't let go of that one thing. They think that means more to them. And in reality, that is their God. What's that one thing for you tonight? For us to be the people He's called us to be. Guys, we need to get a hold of this. Is it that one relationship that you won't let go because you're too worried about what other people are going to think than following Jesus? Is it that one group of friends? Is it that one group of friends that you won't let go because you consider that more valuable than following Christ? Is it that addiction? Is that pornography site that you go to? Is it more important? Is that your God? Is that what you, you get more satisfaction out of that than you do following Christ? Is it the alcohol? Is it the party? Is it the methamphetamine? Is it the cocaine? What is it? Is there an addiction that you won't let go? I'm here to tell you, Christ can, can make you, Lord, have mercy. I wish people would get a hold of this. Christ can save you from that addiction right here, right now. You just got to give it to him. But the problem is we hold on to it and don't think that he can change us. And you're looking at a man that God changed. I wouldn't let go of that, of, them, of that group of friends. I held on to it like it was because that was my identity. I wouldn't, I wouldn't let go of the alcohol because that was my identity. That was my God. And when I realized that if I was going to follow Jesus, he had to be more important than all that stuff. And I got down on my knees and I fasted for a week for God to give me the strength. to kick that alcohol to the curb. And I know I may talk a lot about drinking, but let me tell you something. Alcohol had a hold on my life. And it's a miracle that I've seen Jesus take away from me because I value Him more than that stuff. And in that week that I fasted and I prayed for Him to take it from me, a man that loved to drink it, at the end of that week, I can't stand a taste of it now. God took it away from me. Praise Jesus. The only way that happened is that I said, God, you are more important to me than this stuff. We've got to surrender, God. Yours might not be that. But we come in and out of church every week playing the games. And if we're going to be the people God's called us to be, it's not about this life. It's not about here. It's about eternity. It's about spending forever with Jesus. And if we're going to make it there, then things here don't matter. we got to say, God, here, do with it what you want. But we're so much, we're, we're, we're like this. we got our hands clenched tight. we got them clenched tight with what He's given us. They're, 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 they're just white knuckled. We won't let go of anything. But when we're holding on so tight to what God's given us, guess what? There's no room for Him to give us anything back. He can't put anything else in our hands because we're, so, we're holding tight 
so hard to what he's already given us. And that's not how he called us to do. We shouldn't value our things more than we value God. But when we open our hands up, and we say, God, I want you to do freely with these things that I've given you, with my life, with my family. You know what that does? It allows him to put stuff in your hand and then pull it right back out as he sees fit. I was telling a guy about that this week. You know what he said? He said, that's great. He said, but you know, sometimes we don't need to hold our hands up all the time. We need to have our palms down. I was like, what does that mean? He said, that means we can have our palms down, given what God's given us to those whose palms are up. If God has our heart, generosity is going to flow. But if he don't, it's going to be all about us. You know what I love about the story of Zacchaeus? Is that Jesus met Zacchaeus where he was at. Zacchaeus was in this tree. He was at total desperation. He didn't know what he was going to do. All he knew that he needed to see Jesus. And when he was right there at that place where it was totally desperation, he was all about God. He just had to meet him. When he got to that place where it wasn't about him anymore, there Jesus was. And he said, today, today I'm going to eat at your house. He didn't tell Zacchaeus he had to clean up first. He didn't tell him he had to get his life together first. No, Jesus is ready to meet you guys right where you are today, right in the mess that you're in. Zacchaeus was a social social outcast. People hated him. He's ready to meet you where you are. You don't have to clean up. The most important thing that you can do tonight is to surrender and say, God, I'm sorry. It's been all about me my whole life, but tonight I'm going to give it to you. If that's you tonight, I want to give you the opportunity. We've been talking about generosity, but you're not going to be generous until you give Jesus Christ your heart. So are you going to do that tonight? I just want to ask you, if that's you tonight, you say, Jeremy, that's me. I want to give him my heart. I, I know that I've been doing some crazy things. My life's been about me, but tonight I want it to be about Jesus from here on out. If that's you tonight, just raise your hand and say, that's me, Jeremy. God's been dealing with my heart, and I need to surrender tonight. I need to give him my heart. I need to quit playing games. If that's you tonight, raise your hand. closing I just want to say that generosity flows out of our heart naturally and those of you in here that didn't raise your hand you're saying that I'm saved I'm born again I'm following Jesus I struggled for a long time with being generous and I think a lot of us do and here's some reasons that I did is I was selfish I lived in a selfish world and it was all about the stuff that I could get. 
I wasn't generous when I forgot what stewardship was about. That God gave me the abilities, God gave me my money, and He gave me my life so that I could do with it what He's called me to do with it. It wasn't about me. I lost sight of the promise that God gave me. In Malachi 3.10, He says, look, test me. Give me back. He's saying, give back that money that he's given us. Give, give back that 10% and test me on it. I, when I forget about that, I forget about the promise that he says in that. When, I don't become, when I'm not generous is when I lose sight of the mission. I lose sight of why I am here. Why am I, what's my purpose? I'm not generous when my money has control over me. When, I, when I'm not giving that, that 10%, my first fruits, that's the reason for that, to give your first fruits. So that in that, you're saying, God, I'm going to give you first. I'm going to live off what's left. And the last one of what I do is, when, I, when I'm not generous, I forget what Christ has done for me. Because I've, out of gratitude, generosity flows. I make it a point to read through the, the uh, crucifixion of Christ like, at least every other month because I don't want to forget what Jesus did for me I don't, want to, I don't want to forget the sacrifice that he made for me and this week I just happened to be reading through and when I got to the part where they, got, where they surrendered him to the people when they, when, when they gave Jesus and Jesus was turned over to the people all the religious people they were beating him they were slapping him they were spitting in his face and it never dawned on me until this week. Some, some of the people was hitting him. There were so many people hitting Jesus. They were, they were talking so much trash to him. One of them said, prophesy. Can you prophesy and tell us who just hit you? Because there were so many people beating Jesus. And as I think about the Son of God putting up with all that junk, it just proves to me that I was the Son of God. Because if it was me, I would have said, That's enough. That's it. Y'all ain't worth it. That was not worth it. But he endured that and so much more so that we could have eternal life for those of us that follow him. So he gave it all to us. Why can't we give back generously to him? So tonight, I want you to think about where you are with him. What's going on? Why don't you give generously with your time? What's, what's that? Maybe there is that one thing that you were too ashamed to say a while ago that you need to come and lay at the feet of Jesus tonight. Maybe you need to come and you need to say, Jeremy, look, I didn't raise my hand, but I need to follow Christ. I'm going to be standing right here at this broke down table. And I'm not going to move. But when I start praying, y'all start coming. Mr. Eddie is going to play. If God's stirring your heart, the best thing you can do is do business with God. Don't worry about singing. You do business with Jesus before you leave here tonight. Because that's why we're here, right? So when they start playing, y'all start coming. And they'll dismiss us when, they, when they're done playing. Don't forget what he's done for you. And please don't leave here without getting your life right. If you need me, pray with you if you need to surrender your life to Christ tonight and you didn't raise your hand come find me right here and we'll pray and we'll I'll intercede
the most important decision you'll ever make. Father, as we come to you tonight, God, again, I'm just so burdened for the religious person. Because I was one. And God, we get so caught up in our lives to where we lose sight of you. Father, I pray right now that you would just descend upon us, Lord, even myself, God, and reveal to us things that we need to get right with you. What are those things that we put before you? What are those things that that mean more to us than you do, God? Break down those walls in our hearts so that we can be sensitive to you, Lord. So that we can be the people that you called us to be and the church that you've called us to be, God. Father, I ask you to Move in a powerful way and speak to us tonight. It's in your name we pray these things. Amen.